Welcome to this week's episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. This week we're joined by Coach K. This episode of the Vertical Podcast is brought to you by Roan. Roan makes stylish activewear from innovative and custom fabrics built specifically for men. Classically, men have had two choices when it comes to athletic clothing. Settle for substandard big box brand or opt in to wear women's yoga gear. Roan felt that men needed another choice. Roan pays attention to what men need most. They released a running short called the Swift Short that has an anti-stink liner and laser perforations that keep those certain vital areas cool while you run. Hold on to this code JJ and avoid the stink. Roan uses innovative fabrics such as Silver Tech, which involves melting down pure silver and weaving it into a yarn. Silver is both antimicrobial and anti-stink, so your gym clothes will no longer smell, and hues tend to smell. Ask their wives. To check out their brand new summer collection, visit roan.com slash JJ. That's R-H-O-N-E dot com slash JJ. And right now they are offering the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick listeners an inside deal for 15% off your first order when you enter code JJ on roan.com slash JJ. Once again, that's R-H-O-N-E dot com slash JJ and code JJ for 15% off your first order. Roan, made for men, fit for kinks. Yahoo Sports presents the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. Powered by digital media, find your voice. And now, your host, J.J. Reddick. Welcome to this week's episode of the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. We are back on our regularly scheduled programming Monday morning episodes. I apologize for the last couple weeks, you know, with the holidays and, uh, and a little bit of travel. It was hard to get that uh, Monday deadline out. I appreciate your patience, as always. We have a very special guest, Coach K, today. He's one of my favorite people in the world, without a doubt. Before we get to my conversation with Coach, I always get asked, you know, what is your favorite Coach K memory? It's a, it's a common question I get. And my favorite memory was actually away from the basketball court. It was after I was done playing. It was about four years out of school. It was in 2010. And my favorite memory was him flying down to Palm Beach for my wedding. He had uh, the first day of Duke basketball camp for the kids that day. So he was at camp all day. He signed autographs, took the pictures, did everything he, he could possibly do with the campers, and then got on a plane, changed about 30 minutes before the uh, the ceremony, made it in time for the ceremony, Stayed late, drank some wine, danced with the grandmas, and then flew back that night uh, to Durham and was at camp the next morning. It's just a great story about, one, our friendship, but also just his level of commitment to the people that he cares about and his level of commitment to Duke. And Coach, if anything, has just an incredible level of commitment an incredible personal standard that he adheres to. And so much of his greatness stems from those two things. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, his his upbringing, his parents, his brother, uh, his military background going to West Point and playing for Coach Knight. Um, but a lot of it is just the person that he is. He is truly one of a kind and and truly one of the the best people that I know, and it's with great honor that we have him on this podcast. Coach, thanks for coming on the show. Well, first of all, it's always nice talking to you, and uh, to do this, I've heard all the rave reviews about the job you're doing with this, so thanks for finally uh, getting me in. I know you had to fit me in here. Yeah, there's a lot of coaches that really, really love the podcast, Jeff Van Gundy, Lawrence Frank. Coach K now. Have you ever actually been on a podcast before? Uh, no. You're the first one. Uh, John Shire, a couple of my assistants are doing them now. And uh, nope, this is the first one. You seemed uh, initially to be somewhat averse to new technology and social media. Um, but in the last year, I did learn that you have an Instagram account. I still don't know what your username is. 
but I know that you see pics of my son. What is what is the purpose of that Instagram account for you? Well, and Twitter. I have a, okay. an alias. See, I didn't know that either. I, yeah, and then uh, I follow, all, you know, just about all of our former players, our current players, recruits, and some uh, key people, and it just keeps me abreast of what of what's going on. I love, you know, like with your family, you know, seeing the pictures. Uh, of your family. It keeps, keeps it close. You know, I share them with my family, uh, but I don't want anybody contacting me. I don't want to have that type of diet. I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather call you or text you or whatever. Right. I don't, I don't personally want to have followers like that. And, but you know, again, I'm not against anybody who does it. I just rather would do it. Uh, I'd like doing it this way and keeps me up to date and, uh, with a lot of people. And I, then I'll follow up with a text or something. You know, like sometimes when uh, I see something real cute that you're doing with your son and, and, and wife, I'll text you. And maybe being a little bit of a smart aleck in the text or whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, that's that's a nice thing. It's, uh, I, I like I like doing it that way. You're probably going to have uh, millions of Duke fans all over the world trying to figure out what your aliases are. So just be prepared for that. I apologize in advance. You used no, to actually. You used to joke, uh, I remember being around the, you initially like 2010, 2011, maybe it was during the lockout as well, but you would joke about guys sort of staying off Twitter. Um, but it seems like your program with Duke Blue Planet and, and everything has really embraced social media, uh, both as like a recruiting tool and, and also a means of sort of controlling the message around Duke basketball. Uh, is, is that accurate? Yeah, it's very accurate. You know, it's all about adapting jj you know uh, there are a lot of things we do now that we didn't do five ten perhaps obviously 20 years ago and when that first was starting like that i was concerned about you know the players being too much out there and getting i don't know just worried about it and then i found from talking to the players you know look this is what we do you know we they're probably more on they're more on snapchat than they are on anything but i don't i'm not on that Sometimes my assistants will be on it, and then they'll alert me to different things. But it's how people communicate, and I'm respectful of that. And then what we do is during the summer, you know, like they're just starting second session of summer school right now. Later in the summer or just before school starts in the fall, we'll actually spend an afternoon and bring people in and talk about social media, your responsibilities, yeah, I'll learn a little bit more about what the guys are looking for. And then you try to teach them to be socially responsible. Yeah, I mean, that's the world they live in. We'll be responsible for what you put on Twitter, Instagram, or and remember that uh, Snapchat is not necessarily as private as you think. And uh, <laughs> it's part of growing up. And, and, and so I, I like it. And then my, my staff is really savvy on all that. So they keep me alert. Uh, Jeff Capel, John Shire, uh, Nate James, and, and now Nolan Smith is a special assistant. And it's good. I, I enjoy it. And our guys do a good job with it. Our players have, have done a really good job with it. A lot of uh, athletes, musicians, entertainers, like a lot of people use social media to sort of further their brand or, or, or sort of narrate a story surrounding their brand. I know this has happened because you've told me this. Did you ever think... 20 or 30 years ago that you would be in a meeting with a 16 year old high school kid, you know, as a potential recruit and him talk about his personal brand. No, that's changed. But you know, you, now you do talk about it because it's happening with all the number of, especially one and done guys that we have, you know, they have a chance like Kyrie right now would, since we, you know, really looked at one and done a little bit differently would be the guy with the biggest brand right now. And, uh, you know, who, you know, he's 24 and you're known him since he was a junior. He's got his own shoe and, <laughs> you know, like you have to talk about that and it happens quickly. I'm, I'm really kind of interested, you know, with all the stuff that's happening in the NBA, which I think is good, you know, for the salaries and that in the next collective bargaining agreement, what, is going to be done with the young guys. In other words, the guys coming out of high school or the, you know, are, will the rookie contracts stay the same, you know, that type of thing, because you're, 
it's an ever-changing world. And uh, so brand, like, you're out there right away. You're establishing your brand. And if you come to Duke, I'm not saying we're the only school that has a brand, but you're part of three brands before you ever dribble or shoot a ball. You're part of Duke University, one of the best schools in the whole world that has a great brand. You're part of our Duke basketball program, and we have a good brand. And and then I have a brand. And so you're associated with that. And, you know, we talk about that, and I think – you should, and and then the, the the youngster and his family need to be responsible for how they uh, you know how they further that. The best way is to be good. <laughs> yeah. uh, you got to be a really good player. That's the first thing I tell them. I said, you know, the, the brand stuff is good. You you got to be a good player before you could be a good brand. It's a great point, actually. I think people, you know, they talk about when they talk about brands, they talk about authenticity and they talk about you know the narrative behind the brand, but. Greatness sort of uh, controls the message more than anything else. So you mentioned uh, the one and done thing, and this mm-hmm. is just my opinion, but it, it, it seemed like uh, initially because my senior year was was two thousand six. That was the first draft class that you know you, if you were in high school you couldn't come out. Two thousand five was the last year for the for the high school players. So it seemed like initially that you were sort of averse to to recruiting the guys that weren't going to necessarily, you know, unpack their bags, as you like to say at Duke, and we're just going to leave after one year. And, and you won a championship in 2010 with uh, a group of guys that was mostly upperclassmen. Uh, mm-hmm. But as, as sort of the years have gone on, you've recruited a lot of one and done guys and your championship two years ago was with uh, a lot of freshmen playing big roles. How have your views on that changed? Well, you know, they, it's just more of adapting, J.J., you know, during that time period, you know, when kids could go right out of high school, then, you know, we never even recruited eight or ten kids a year that are really good players and good kids because they've never come. And also, I'm not sure the academics were stressed as much, the, the qualifying, like how you have to qualify. Kid knew if he wasn't going to go uh, to college, he could go. He didn't have to really do well academically, and all that changed when you know the NBA changed. You have to go. You have to go you know, one year, and and then the NCAA made it. Boy, you have to do your academics too. So for a while there, we continued to do what we normally did because we didn't. We always look for three things, and this hasn't changed. And we still look for them, even though some of these guys go after one year. They have to be really good players, not necessarily one and done, but good players that can help us win a championship. Uh, Right along with it, they have to be good enough academically to navigate and do well at Duke. And the third thing, and it's the equal of the other two, or maybe even more important, they have to be really good kids. You know, how they act with their parents, their teammates in school. You know, we we recruit good character. What's happened now since around Kyrie's time is there are more kids that fit those criteria for us who are one and done. You know, I, you know, we have at least two guys that will probably be one and done and maybe a third in a big recruiting class right now. That, that, they're a freshman. They're in summer school. Right. And uh, they're the same guys that Grant Hill and you and, Elton Brand and Luol Dang were it's just a different time. And, uh, look, you, you've had a really outstanding pro career, and it, it continues to get better. You were a great college player. You know, I think if you were here now, you could have gone early. You could have gone after your freshman or sophomore year. Somebody, you know, with the shooting, and, I mean, you were good right away. Let me interrupt you real quick. I, I would also have had to not acted like a frat kid my first two years to leave early. Let's just interject yeah, that real you, quick. Yeah, but you you wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't as have. much. Yeah, because there'd be too much on the line, and also you wouldn't have in today's day and age because of social media. You know, no and, question. Well, you, you, no, I mean it's just different. It's different yeah, for you as a different. player. If you were in this freshman class of ours with who you were coming out of high school. And you were really good right away. You're one of the best players in the country right away. You would have had a decision to make at the end of this this year, this upcoming year. 
but you would have been the same kid that we'd have re- recruited 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And that's what's changed. So everyone says we've changed our philosophy. We haven't changed our philosophy. You know, we did, we were trying to recruit the best players that fit that, those criteria. For us, our guys have gotten better. They haven't, they've either maintained a high level of value or they've gotten better. And, you know, our guys coming out are, are good. We have a lot of guys in the pros. They're all, all doing well. And the guys we have coming in right now and, they're going to do well, you know, and so we have a proven product, and uh, but, but our recruiting hasn't changed. The, the frequency, and this is what's crazy uh, uh, for me, um, I've been coaching a head coach for over four decades, that how much more you have to recruit because you keep it, and you don't know. <laughs> you don't know who's yeah. exactly what you're going to need. So, you know, our, our, our team changes every year now. And, but they all, the one constant is we always have good kids. We always have good kids, and they, they want to be a Duke, and they want to be on a, a championship-level team, and that those are constants. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. And now a word from Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all of this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash JJ. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Coach K, hang on for one minute. I want to tell my listeners about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And none of these older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I just used it the other day to look at tickets for when my Red Sox come to L.A. to play the Dodgers in August. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work, and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code, enter promo code JJ, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. Now back to Coach K. This is more of a general question, not necessarily related to Duke, but you sort of hear this narrative around college basketball every March uh, that the college game is is hurting maybe a little bit, and, and maybe that's a byproduct of the one-and-done era just in terms of continuity and whatnot at schools. Do you think that the one and done has hurt college basketball? No, I, no way. It changes. Like last year was the year of the senior. You know, right. I think there weren't the, the class of freshmen were not at the level that they had been, you know, for immediate impact in the pros. Mm-hmm. So the seniors got much more uh, play, you know, Buddy Heald out of Oklahoma, four year player, you know, that, uh, Valentine, Michigan State, you know, they were household names. But also, I think in the last couple of years, people have paid more attention to teams. You know, they're, you know, boy, Villanova's really good. The year before, mm-hmm. Kentucky was undefeated. But uh, Wisconsin was so, so good. And I like that. I, I like that where, you know, we haven't been, for a couple of years, we were selling what the NBA sells, and that's the individual stars right. on teams. Right. And we're going to pale in comparison to that. 
but we won't pale in comparison to tradition and teamwork and exciting brand of basketball. And I, I think the last couple of years we've gotten back to that, and we should stick in our wheelhouse in that regard and uh, not get into the thing of promoting you know, these individual starts, but rather, boy, Ohio State's going to play Michigan, Kentucky's going to play Florida, Duke's going to play Carolina, Syracuse is going to play Georgetown, UCLA you know, is going to play Southern Cal. Or, you know, that's what makes college sports. Oh, I agree. And, uh, I, I see that happening more now. So going along with that, sort of the, the promotion of the individual, I, I looked online, I, I was trying to find some quote from you regarding sort of the, the argument for or against paying college athletes, but wh- wh- where do you, what is your stance on that? Yeah, well, for, you know, what we are able to do now, we being the NCAA and a Power Five conference, you know, one of the top five conferences, it's amazing you know, what you can do for the student athlete. And I would, you know, I think a pay structure for a student athlete, it it, it ruins the whole model of what a university does uh, tax wise, you know, all that, all that stuff. Quite frankly, I'd rather see kids being able to go right out of high school if they wanted to. But when they come to college, we need to take care of them. We can insure them. We can feed them. We can clothe them. We can give them stuff. They actually get a cost of attendance now. I mean, you would actually get money now if you were at Duke, and you get a couple thousand, I don't know the exact number for this year, uh, a semester, and uh, and then everything is taken care of for you. I mean, it's, uh, it's really good. We'd be able to help you if you were on a list, you know, that the NBA puts out of guys that could go and then you would be able to provide a certain level of insurance for uh, that kid and his family. You know, a lot of stuff. It'd be interesting, really, uh, to just put a list of the things now that we can do. None of those things were done. Well, we did feed you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you gave me points <laughs> we, so I could eat on campus. <laughs> yeah, and we had a few training meals. You'd be shocked, JJ, with how I know. Well, uh, I know. these guys are, are taken care of. And that's good. That's the way it should be. I, I, I'd like to see it more. I just don't see how schools are going to be able to do it for yeah. 600 athletes, you know, right. playing all the other sports. And I think that's eventually going to separate the NCAA at some time. I think there's got to be something that's going to happen here in the upcoming near future because not all these conferences can put the TV packages. And, right. You know, their own channels and like our conference, Big Ten, you know, the SEC, you can provide more. And uh, I think it'll eventually separate in some way. Well, the logistics of it when you're the governing body of so many schools is very difficult. I mean, for every, you know, Duke basketball or Texas football, there's a there's a Marist, you know. So right, the right. logistics of it don't make sense. I will say, though, that. The stuff that you guys have going on now that the NCAA allows you to do uh, is pretty amazing, and it it would um, it would have eliminated some stressful stuff for me. My senior year, I, I know you remember, I had an issue with my roommate, um, mm-hmm. so I had to I had to move off campus into like a single apartment. But you know, I, I my scholarship check wouldn't cover the rent, so uh, my parents had to take out a loan for like six months, you know, for me to pay my rent and uh, yeah. my mom None my mom my mom gave happened. me an invoice the day after I got drafted <laughs> for me to pay back the loan which was fine I'm not mad at her but I'm just saying like you know I know that there's a there's a little bit of a stipend that the NCAA allows now and I know at Duke you guys have have sort of housing for the players uh, similar to what some other schools are doing now as well yeah you know it, it there's so much better taken care of now and rightfully so uh, you know, we, we were in the dark ages, and, uh, and we're, we're not. And there's still more that can be done, and, and I think everyone's investigating how to do it, and then what can you do per school? Like, there, there are a number of schools that are going to be hurting money-wise because they can't provide all these things. And, again, we'll see where that goes, but there, it, there's, it's going to be very difficult for, you know, like, say, in basketball, there's you know, 351, there are over 350 schools playing Division One 
men's basketball. And uh, I think there are over 110 of the top uh, Division One A football programs. And and there's separation there. And yeah. and you just mentioned Maris, which is a heck of a school. Uh, yeah, just York. the, no, just the first mean, smaller that's... school that, but but their TV package and their ticket, all that stuff. Their their the revenue they're generating is way different than than Duke it's basketball. It's not even in it's not yeah. even in the same ballpark. Now, right. the thing is. In basketball, Amaris right now in a one-game shot could be competitive against teams in a power conference. We'll see where that goes eventually. You know, like right. will there be a different structure? You know, mm-hmm. for basketball, will there be a different structure within the NCAA? Those are all things that are are being discussed. I know that because, uh, like, the Big Ten's just signed a, a huge. TV deal. They they have a TV package, kind of like the NFL. They have a number of different partners, and they have their own channel. I don't know what it, the breakout you know for the next fifteen to twenty years per school, but it's significant in the tens of millions of dollars for each school per year. And a, a lot of those other schools, they're not getting that. They're not getting it. This is the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. How would you like to get three home-cooked meals for free? Well, all you have to do is remember these two letters, J.J. That's easy enough, right? Look, we all know there's nothing better than a great home-cooked meal, and no one makes it easier for you to do that than Blue Apron. Their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their suppliers and only bring you the best ingredients, all right to your door. Even better, each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients and can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Now comes that part about the three free meals I was telling you about. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com JJ. Think about it. That's three meals free just by adding in my name. Once again, that's blueapron.com slash JJ. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let's get back to Coach K. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about USA basketball. When I was a a sophomore, there was a a very nervous weekend. I think it was July 4th weekend where the Lakers put on a full court press of you. It was 2004. And uh, I was already calling some friends at other schools being like, hey, listen, if coach leaves, I'm thinking about transferring. (laughs) But you flirted a couple times with the NBA. And then my senior year, in the fall of my senior year, you were named as the the USA Basketball uh, Senior Men's National Team head coach. And you've had an incredible run of success. Did coaching the national team, did that sort of fill the void, uh, that desire that you had to coach NBA players? I guess it did, but it, that's not why I did USA Basketball. Yeah. I, I don't think there would have been a void, to be quite frank with you. Uh, yeah, actually, it's kind of funny you bring that thing up. In 205, over July 4th weekend, I can remember being hunkered down in our house, and there was nothing else on TV, so the big thing was Coach K. And In fact, my oldest daughter one time during the weekend the TV was on. There was something again on us. He says, Dad, you're on TV again. And I said, what the heck am I supposed to do about that? There's nothing else going on. <laughs> and, you know, the the stuff about Durant, I'm not putting myself above Durant. But it was, you get in that type of attention that I couldn't leave Duke. You know, I mean, yeah, I not only love college basketball, I really love Duke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a lucky guy. I've yeah. been able to coach the sport I love, college basketball, at the place I love. That's tough to give up. And right. again, we've made a lot of money. You know, we're making good money. Not what the Lakers offered, but <laughs> still, you know, still it was the, you know, the American good. Express commercials maybe made up the difference. <laughs> yeah, it was a, no, it would take a lot of those commercials to make up the difference. But uh, now there's. You just, you know, you got to do what you love to do. And, I, yeah. and again, it's worked out great. Now, coaching USA basketball, I didn't know that that could ever happen mm-hmm. because of, of the pros. And I didn't think a college coach would ever be asked again. And we weren't doing well. And Jerry Colangelo uh, was given autonomy. 
as the director, the, the managing director. Not, he wasn't chairman then of USA Basketball, the managing director of the men's program. And uh, boom, he went in and he started a program and he asked me and I've known Jerry for a long, long time. And we developed a good, you know, a good partnership in this. But the last 11 years, JJ, have been incredible in what I've learned and the opportunity to work and be the head coach of our country's team and the level of talent and commitment and professionalism of all these guys has been incredible. And I've learned so much about the game from these guys and the coaches that I've worked with. And, the, you know, you play with and against international players. You know how good they are. And in their own you know, environment, these teams are, are incredible. You learn a lot from, from your opponents. So uh, I'm anxious, you know, to get going with uh, our Olympic team uh, in about 10 days, 11 days, and see if we can have success again. But uh, it's been an incredible 11 years. I'm shocked that I (laughs) I think back. I'm shocked that I had the opportunity, you know, to do this, and then it's turned out well. And, uh, in fact, it's turned out great. You, You said you learned a lot through this experience, is there any one specific thing that maybe surprised you either about the international game or about NBA players in general? I think more about the NBA players, the level of professionalism and commitment uh, to being great players, to being the best they can be. I can remember the first meeting I had, I had a meeting with uh, Jason Kidd, Dwayne Wade, Kobe and LeBron. And I were getting ready to, start a, a camp, you know, practice. And, and I said, well, well, we should practice twice a day. You know, we'll have one hard and then we'll just walk through another. And they looked at me and said, you know, we, we can't practice twice a day. And I didn't know if they were punking me or, you know, like I'm the college coach or, but I, I listened. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, we each have our way of preparing, you know, like Pilates, uh, yoga, weight training, extra shooting, stretching, conditioning. We each have our way of doing that. And if you could make sure there's a certain time in the day, you know, times in the day where we can do that, we should practice once. But we'll be ready. And don't worry about conditioning. We'll be in condition, you know. And and I said, well, let's come up with a plan. And we came up with a plan. Every morning they had the morning until... Uh, about 10 o'clock, they had breakfast, and we had a meeting. At, and in that morning, you'd see them Pilates, yoga, weight training, whatever it would be. Uh, breakfast, team meeting for a half hour, practice, you know, from like 12.15 to 2.30 or 3, and not that much conditioning or contact because, you know, again, you're worried about losing them. And then a lot of them would stay late to shoot and work on their game. And to be quite frank with you, a number of them came back at night to get extra shooting in. And we, we ran it that way. And sometimes even the last Olympics in London, that was after that strike short season. So these guys were all worn out. You know, we would go to the gym. I'd talk to LeBron and Kobe and, and say, what do you think? And say, well, you know, let's get this done. And the guy, let's take advantage of of this gym that we're in and the weight facility, let's get our, all our individual stuff. And it's work and it's called adapting, you know, and I watched their different ways of preparing conditioning. Also their language. What do you like? You know, how do you want to defend the ball screen? What do you color codes, uh, terminology? I mean, you talk to Chris Paul, he's your teammate. You know, like, look, you've played so many years. You're really good. What's the best way you like to defend the ball screen? Mm -hmm. And, you know, where can I put you on the court where you would, you know, be most beneficial? You know, I mean, I could tell you so many stories. You know, that first practice with kid, you know, he comes up to me and he says, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to, you know, I said, look, you do what you do. Let me adapt to you. Yeah. So what do you mean? I said, no, let me adapt to you. You know what the hell you're doing. You know, you've done this. You look, you're an all-star. You're going to be a Hall of Famer. Let me watch you. 
And then you know what he did? Like in shooting drills, he didn't shoot. He would be the passer. And that when he was passing, he would ask guys, where do you want the ball? And these guys would look at him and say, what do you mean? I just throw it to me. He says, no, there's a, a spot you probably want it more than others. He says, I'll try to get it to you. And these guys going nuts. You know, yeah. just so many stories like yeah. that, JJ. But instead of let's run Coach K's offense or <laughs> Mike D'Antoni's or Jim Bay, now let's let's see what you guys do. And right. wow, you know, it's been it's been really really good, really good. It's not surprising to hear you tell those stories. Uh, you know, going into my eleventh year in the NBA, and it's not a like it's not a difficult thing to understand, but the best players are the players that do the most in terms of extra stuff. And it's, I mean, it really is. It's true. I mean, the guys that really take care of themselves that invest money in the off season and having the, you know, their own personal trainer and and their own gym time and Pilates and yoga and do all these things. Not only are they the best players, but they, they also are the guys that play at a high level longer than everyone else because they take care of themselves. I'm going to tell a story on, on you. You know, like you did that for me, especially your your junior and senior years, where you you got the lay of the land and you're more of a man at that time. And you know, the thing that I tell my guys, my best players, you were my best player, and you set the tone. Well, you never subbed out of a practice. If there were six white shirts, six blue shirts, and we're going four on four or five on five, you never came out. You, you know, you, you set the tone for that. And also what I do with these national team members is I got to coach you and I've done this with a number of our great players at Duke, you know, like I used you everywhere. And then I would ask you, like, go ahead. Where do you want it? What yeah. do you, like you had, yeah. you know, you had the complete green light and you deserved it. I mean, you did, and then you did things that I couldn't teach you. You did some things we did teach you or plays we ran, but by giving you that freedom, you showed stuff and said, man, how did Coach K teach him how to do that? I didn't. You right. just, you did it. <laughs> and uh, those are the things I love about, right? you know, not systemizing a player, yeah. not over-structuring things. Now, look, if you got mediocre players, or you're not <laughs> mediocre, but they can't do that, then you become a little bit more systemized than that. Right. But if you've got some good talent or, you know, if you've got one guy who's just better, you got to let that guy go, man. you gotta let him, yeah. You got to let him go, and everyone else will follow. And, uh, you know, I didn't always do that early, real early in my career, but most of my career started with Johnny Dawkins once mm-hmm. I got – comfortable i've started letting him go and then fairy and leitner and hill and you know they made me look pretty good (laughs) they made me look pretty good i'm actually glad you brought this up because people ask me all the time you know what was it like playing for coach k or what makes coach k so great and to me and you've mentioned it a few times now already in this conversation but it's your adaptability and Mm -hmm. i think when people think of a coach they think of a system and they think of this is how the team is going to play and this is how the players are going to play and they've got to fit in that system. The reason, to me at least, that you, you're you such a great coach is that you adapt to your personnel and you figure out a way to bring out the best in that personnel. And that, whether it's coaching you know, a, a national championship caliber Duke team or a, what you called a mediocre Duke team or the national team. Like that's, that right. to me is your, is your system is, is adapting to your players and figuring out, all right, how, how do I get the best out of these guys? Well, you know, first of all, I love doing that. Yeah. And that's why I coach is to try to figure it out. You know, like we have 11 days before we start practice with the U S team. We've had a couple conference calls with the staff and that, and, and I'm, going through all my notes and looking at tapes of what we've done. And, and then I always get back to, I say, you know, I haven't seen these guys yet. <laughs> you know, I don't want to put too much in before, you know, how are Kyrie and clay and mm-hmm. Paul George and uh, KD and Carmelo and Draymond and DeMarcus cousins and, you know, 
Jimmy Butler, all these guys. I don't know them enough yet. You know, yeah. I do know that you have one of the best players in the world in, in, in Durant, and he's versatile, and he can score. You have one of the great shooters in Clay. I think you have as good a point guard as there is in Kyrie. And, you know, Draymond Green has proven to be, who is he? You know, what position does he play? You know, DeMarcus Cousins is so darn talented. And, you know, Paul George, wow. And I'm so happy he's back, you know, after that horrific injury and two years ago. And now he's got a chance to, you know, win an Olympic gold medal. But how do they mesh? So uh, those first four days of practice and then the exhibition games, I try to keep it as simple as possible. And I want to get to know them while they're getting to know kind of a simple structure where they can still have the freedom to make plays. Instead of putting a lot of plays in, I want them to make plays because they're great players. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 800,000 businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Let's get back to Coach K. Last question on the USA basketball thing. The mm-hmm. the experience you've had and sort of the things you've learned from USA basketball and coaching pros, what what have you brought back with you to Duke? Is there anything specific that you've said, Oh, I can implement this or oh man, I need to change this. This is I'm doing this wrong at Duke. Is there is there any anything specifically that you've sort of taken back with you? You know, a lot. I mean, just first of all, the confidence of doing more new things, how we condition, how we play our defense. I mean, we didn't talk about icing and keeping on the side and you blitz and you red and, you know, one-syllable words that have action or color, you know, to more instantly react, you know. That type of thing gave me even more confidence to be I hate to use the word innovative because it sounds like we're inventing the game again, but innovative <laughs> with your own team, yeah. not innovative that you've come up with a, a new thing. Most of us, are, we don't come up with new things, but we come up with ways of this group doing things. And, you know, like, you know, Golden State wasn't the first team to shoot a lot of threes, but how they did it and that was pretty darn, darn good. And uh, it's more... More with the uh, confidence, I think if you were playing for me right now, you'd, although we had great staff when you uh, played, uh, I have a great staff now. I probably let my guys do even more, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the workouts, although I let Wojo and Chris do a lot too because they were so damn good. But, uh, I don't know, and a love for the game. I'm not tired of the game. Uh, you feel like it, it gives you energy. People say, well, it tires you out. Yeah, you know, to me, it gives me more energy. Yeah, you know, again, now winning has something to do with that. I hope I come back with a lot of energy from Rio, <laughs> and, we, and we win. Yeah, it makes sense. I want to switch gears a little bit. This is a, a couple more personal questions, I guess. Is as you sort of, well, I don't know what your timeline and your horizon is for the end of your career, but you know, in terms of your legacy and just the body of work you've done. It's amazing to me, and you mentioned energy, but it's amazing to me the the level of energy and interest and commitment that you still have after all these years. I was at Duke last fall, and I got the chance uh, to speak to your team, uh, which was a a pretty cool experience. But one of the things I said to them was just this uh, kind of idea of uh, you've never arrived, you're always becoming, and sort of just always looking to the next thing and always figuring out ways to improve. and when I was sort of giving that talk, I realized that no one I knew embodied that 
more than you? And where where do you maintain that level of hunger to just keep being great? I, it, it, it's, it's really fascinating to me. You know, I, I don't know about being great, but about being in your current moment fully. And, you know, that's why I'm not a big fan on numbers, you know, mm-hmm. what you've done. I mean, I love the fact that we've won five national championships. Of course I do. Yeah. But I don't go into this year talking to my team about winning our sixth national championship because it wouldn't be our sixth. It would be Duke's sixth or mine, you know? And what I try to do is, and not get ahead. Like, you know, how many years are you still, how many wins do you need? It's not about that. Those (laughs) things will take care of themselves. If you are totally in the moment you're in, I love that. In other words, I'm, I'm immersed with Grayson Allen and Emile Jefferson and Harry Giles and Matt Jones and uh, Jason Tatum and these kids, Luke Kennard, and I want to be with them and try to win and be great now. And I'm 69 years old. To be able to do that with guys who are 18 to 22, you got to be kidding me. How good is that? You know, yeah. And then I relate to them well. Again, I don't know all their stuff, but they don't know all my stuff either. And uh, But we're very close because I never talk about the future or the past. I only talk about what we're doing. Right. And that's kept me young, enthusiastic, and it also, I think, is a, a reason why we win. Because uh, I don't remember what our record was last year. I know I, we won. 20, I know we won twenty-five games. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> yeah, I, we won the national championship the year before. Yeah, I don't remember who. I think we lost four games. Yeah, I'd have to really think hard who we lost to. Or so when somebody says, you know, like you, man, you your record against this team is this, or your, you know, when's the last time you won an ACC? We haven't won an ACC championship in a few years, but for we won 10 out of 13, a few years before that, you know what I mean? <laughs> but right now, the single biggest thing for me is winning the national championship with this group. And it doesn't matter if I have a winning record against you or I've won some other, the mop, now again, we want to win everything. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to get caught up in any other race except that one. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and we'll have a chance with the group we have. That's my goal is to recruit and develop a group that's talented enough and then start the journey to try to win this thing and to enjoy it, have fun, get angry, get happy, be real the, the whole time, and then see what the heck happens. That's what I'm going to do. And it, to me, that's like living the moment to the highest degree. Last year when I was around Duke for a couple of weeks, I, I sort of asked you you know, your, your timeline for the rest of your coaching career, and you basically gave me the response you just gave me now. And that's just yeah. just being in the moment and not sort of committing yourself to – any sort of realistic or unrealistic timeline in terms of the number of years you wanted to stay at Duke. Um, this is this is a serious question, though. You know, at some point, I would assume you are going to retire. And uh, what what are you going to do then? What are you going to do besides garden? I know you have an incredible no, um, collection collection of azaleas and. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I do a lot. You know, I'm a, I speak. I'm in the process of, I, I got a lot done away from basketball, especially in the, uh, the concept of teaching and learning about leadership. And then I have my own radio show on, uh, on Sirius. And I don't think I would, I would ever do anything with TV. I'd rather do something else. And I've basically have put in place things that I would be able to do. And I'm not going to, you know, discuss because they're still formulating right yeah. now. But 
and, and saying that, I'm not anxious to do it. I, I'll always be a part of Duke. Yeah, yeah, I would way. assume. Yeah, You know, like, we're not moving. You know, uh, I'll be affiliated with, with the school. Whenever I, whenever I do retire, I have it in my contract for a couple more years at least to be like a special assistant to the president of the university. And, and, uh, but even if I don't do that, I'd always be a part of, of Duke and Durham. You know, we love living in Durham, North Carolina. We think it's a fabulous town and we've lived there 37 years. All our grandkids, our daughters, their husbands, they live right there. And, uh, so we would do things to help in the community yeah, you know, we have a great thing going uh, for 10 years, the Emily Krzyzewski Center, which services a couple hundred kids that in our educational programs that eventually will go to college. But, you know, we service, you know, hundreds more. And actually, we're going to start a program in September to help kids navigate the circuitous route that people have to take to get into college. And a lot of kids who don't get into college because their families don't even know how. They're guidance counselors, and so we're, you know, we're going to help hundreds of kids starting with programs, you know, this fall. And I know I'll be actively involved uh, with that center, and mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, making sure that that keeps going because it's had great success, 100% success with every yeah. kid that's come in there. And these are, for the most part, first generation college kids. We had a graduating class of 25 this year and they received something like $3.3 million in aid going to their respective schools. And so I'll continue to fight cancer, you know, the, the war against cancer with the V Foundation and I'm part of what they call the CEO roundtable to fight cancer. Anyway, I got a bunch of good good things to do. Now you keep yourself busy. Clearly, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I know that uh, whatever you you decide to sort of jump into, you're going to be fully committed to it, and you'll be great at it. Um, Coach, I, I do appreciate the time. You've been an awesome guest, and uh, it's always good to have a conversation with you. So I really appreciate it. I know all of our listeners, especially uh, Duke fans, will will appreciate the time. So thank you. Yeah, and you know I'm really happy you're doing this. I this is a, a great thing. And JJ, we love you, man. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. you were, you were not just a, a great player at Duke, but you, you, you become a great friend. And that's one of the coolest things that I've learned about coaching is that, you know, eventually I'm not saying you can do it with every player because you're, you know, the frequency of contact, but you become friends with so many of these guys and, I value that. So, uh, again, thanks for having me on. Well, I I definitely value your friendship as well. And uh, thanks again, Coach. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. I'd like to thank today's special guest, Coach K. Remember to subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to the podcast. Please tweet me at J.J. Reddick for any questions and comments. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Roan, Blue Apron, ZipRecruiter, and SeatGeek. Be sure to support them the way they support us. We'll catch you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.